Have you ever had a moment where what you thought was true just completely got shattered? So I always, whenever my mind goes to a question like that, I always think of TV shows, mostly because that's something me and my wife both enjoy to do. And right now, she's been watching through Breaking Bad. This is a show that I've loved for years. I remember growing up, and me and my dad watched it, and we went through the whole series together, and it's something I've seen multiple times. But right now, it's her first time going through. And the funniest thing is as we're sitting there and we're watching through this, I'm sitting there and I'm even on my phone looking up. I'm like, which episode does this happen in? When is she going to be shocked and find out this moment? And so like I even think of little moments where she's been sitting here and she's been aghast because there's this plot twist or there's this new thing revealed to her that just completely shatters her reality or understanding of the show, this truth that she thought was legit. And so um, I'm even reading through right now. I've, I've been reading through Fellowship of the Ring, Lord of the Rings. I've loved this series. It's something I've watched for many years. But as I read the book, I'm like, man, there's some differences between this and the movie in which I watched growing up as a kid. And it's been shattering my mind. One of my favorite videos that I've ever seen was this kid. It's the most purest thing where he not understood anything about Star Wars. And his dad makes him sit down and watch it for the first time. He watches through the series, and he doesn't already have in his head the understanding of who Darth Vader is in, in relationship to Luke Skywalker. And they have the plot twist revealed, and you just see this look on his face. Eyes just completely bu like bugging out. Mouth just completely dropped, and he's just sitting there like, what just happened? His truth and reality just got completely shattered by this plot twist that just happened. And so often in our lives, I feel like we have these moments where there's this plot twist or something that happens that just shatters this truth in which we had in our mind for years, where we believe that this is how things went. This is the reality of life. This is just what happens. And that got completely changed. Let's just say 2020 has probably been one of those years for a lot of us in which we've had those moments. We're like, man, I, I thought this is how things were supposed to be. Man, I thought this was reality or this is truth. And, and you're left with wondering, where do we go from here? What do I have to look forward to? Where do I find my hope and comfort when it seems like things around me are just shattering and breaking and I, I don't know where to look to for truth? One of the things I've loved about this series in which we've been going through, of stories we tell, is we've been telling the story of Jesus as we had led up to Christmas. And we've been looking at the birth of Jesus We've been connecting with different prophecies that had told all along about this good news, this beautiful story in which is going to come into fruition through Jesus. In these past couple weeks, we've been looking at that. And today, the place in which I want us to look is as we understand who Jesus is, how he was born, the, the, the prophecies that are fulfilled and who he is and what it means to us. What does it mean for us going forward? As we're told this good news of who Jesus is and what he's going to come to do for us, where, where do we go with it? What does it mean for us? And why is this so important that Jesus had to come and be fully man, to be born into this world and live among us? Really where we go, we start off at the beginning of Matthew, and I, I love this part, in Matthew 1, and we've read this in our scripture reading today, but it says that Jesus, his name is Emmanuel, meaning God with us us. And the importance of this doesn't come later in the Bible. It's not this, hold on, wait for this to happen later, and this plot twist is going to happen. No, like it, it happened in the very beginning. We're told about this from the start, right in Genesis 3, right after God has this beautiful creation story, where we see these two uh, unique ways of telling of the creation 
of the world, of man, of animals, and God saying it's good, it's very good, and him living with us, amongst us. And what we see in this picture of the garden, if you have your phones, you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open up to Genesis 3, because that's where we're going to be looking today. And what we see in Genesis 3 is that we see this serpent come to them. And it says he was the most crafty of all the beasts in the field that God had made. And he comes up to the woman, and he begins this question. He says, did God actually, did God actually say to you not to eat of any of the trees in the garden? And the woman says to the serpent, no, like he, he said to us that we may eat of the uh, fruit of the trees in the garden. But God did tell us that to not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. And neither um, shall we touch it or we'll die. And the serpent begins to the question uh, what she continues to say. He says, you're surely not going to die. For God knows that when you eat of that, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to her eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit and ate it. Ate it, And she also gave some to her husband who was standing right alongside her, and he ate it as well. See, one of the things that gets overlooked here is that Adam is standing with her this entire time, and yet he is a silent counterpart to the story. He's the partner that is with her, and he is silent in this moment. In this moment when they eat this fruit, both of their eyes are open, and they know that they are naked. And so what do they do? Uh, when you, they notice they're naked, they uh, sewed together some fig leaves and they make some loincloths for themselves and they hear the sound of God walking in the garden. And the man and wife, they hide. They run into the bushes behind a tree and they hide from God. And God calls out to them and says, where are you? And more of this just kind of rhetorical kind of thing, God knows where they are. God knows what just happened in this moment. And yet he gives them this opportunity to confess to have this moment of repentance with them. And yet, they say, um, he says, I heard his sound in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself, says Adam. We just read this, that in verse 7, it says they sew together loincloths and stuff to cover themselves. It, it, they, they aren't physically naked at this point. They've covered themselves up, and yet they still feel naked and are afraid and shameful and feel this guilt, and so they hide from God. They step away from him, and it's not this physical nakedness. No, it is at this point this spiritual nakedness, this disconnection with God in which they feel, and they have this level of shame and guilt amongst themselves. So God asks them, he says, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree in which I told you not to eat? And the man begins this moment of, instead of confession, he plays the blame game. And he says, no, it was the woman who told me to eat of the tree. She gave me the fruit, and I ate it. And so God looks at the woman. She says, she says, it was the serpent. You know, I know Adam was with me this entire time. Like, he was with me. We both got deceived. No, it was the serpent. She doesn't take the, the confession as well. She begins to continue to play the blame game and pushes it off over to the serpent. And this is where we get God's response to what has just happened. He looks at the serpent. And he says, because you have done this, you're going to be cursed. You're going to be cursed above all the livestock and all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. 
He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. See, it's in this, in this passage in which we read right after the creation story where we have this beautiful image of God creating us. This beautiful fellowship in which we get to experience with God becoming disconnected. And it's out of this, this mistrust of God that it manifests itself in disobedience and in other behaviors. And that's where this level of sin comes out of this distrust of who God is and the goodness and knowledge and truth in which he is set up. And rather, it's mankind saying, no, I want to decide for myself what is good, what is right, and what is to be known. Rather than speaking to God about the issue, they silently consider to themselves the tree and the wisdom it has to offer. In this moment when they're presented with this issue, when the serpent begins to corrupt and begins to be crafty and plant this level of deceit in their mind, what do they do with it? They sit, they think about it to themselves. They don't even go to God, the one who created them, the one who wanted to live in fellowship and harmony and have this relationship with them. Rather, they sat in silence and began to think to themselves, and they allowed this deceit to take root in their heart, and it manifests itself in this level of disobedience. See, God asks for this level of response. He gives them the opportunity to do this, this response, and where they confess, and instead of playing the blame game, he encourages them. He wants them to have this level of confession and say, God, I allowed the lies and the deceitfulness of the world around me doubt you. To doubt the knowledge and truth in which you have, God, I began to put myself higher than you to make my own decisions, to try and craft a way for myself. And see, what comes out of this is that every aspect of human life is touched, and the, the rest of the curses in which we see here is that it affects marriage and sexuality, work and food, birth and death, and it's in the wake of these effects that God wants to remain in relationship with his creation. Because what could easily happen here is God says, all right, I'm done. I, I tried. I created you. I gave you the opportunity to live with me in eternal life. And you chose willingly to disconnect yourself, to try and write for yourself what you think is right and make your own way. And rather what we see, and we continue to see this through the story of the Bible, the whole entire Old Testament is God being faithful to us to make a way to have a relationship with him. And it comes to fruition in who Jesus is and what he does for us. It's in this birth that we see Emmanuel, God with us. God said, you know what? I've, I've tried for so long to invest myself in the nation of Israel to show them that I will be faithful to them. But no, I will come to you fully man, live amongst you, be tempted in the same way, do everyday life with you and go to the cross. And see, we tell the story of Jesus, one who is wounded through his crucifixion on the cross, but is victorious in death and his resurrection over death. It's in this that we see that this, this prophecy that was told from the very beginning of how the serpent is going to bruise the heel, but rather Jesus is going to bruise the head of the serpent. See, God has made a way for us to come back into this loving fellowship and that's the beautiful story in which we tell of Jesus. And so what's the way forward for us? As we still live in a world that is broken, in which there is still the, these different lies in which we have to process, because we are in the midst of a broken world. So every day in what, whatever we experience, whatever we hear, whatever we see 
on the news, on social media, what we hear when we interact with our friends, or even the experiences we have where we go. How do we go forward? What God calls us to is to have this level of comfort in the truth of the good news in which he gives us. And that's why we spent so long in this series of looking at who Jesus is and the good news in which it brings. We tell this story year after year and we celebrate it together because what we are told is that we have a God who loves us, a God who tells us that we belong, that we are adopted into the family, that our story matters. And what this means for us is as we have these different messages, as we have these different experiences with the world around us, what we are encouraged to do is filter it through the core of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And whenever I use the word filter, my mind always goes to um, my morning routine at home. I am a coffee lover, and so I have a Chemex at home. For those of you, uh, some of you at home might have yours as well, but some of you might not know what I'm talking about. It's basically, if you go to your coffee shop, you're going to see this kind of round-bottom glassware. And what you see at the top of it is that they're going to put this, this little liner, this filter in the top of it. They're going to crush up your coffee beans, and they're going to put it in the top, in that filter. And they're going to pour the water over, and you're going to see the water, you're going to see the water filter through the coffee beans that have been crushed up. And this little filter is basically going to keep out all of those, um, those bigger chunks of the coffee beans out of it, and you're still going to get the flavor that's going to filter through. And what I always imagine with this is that what we see in the coffee beans that are crushed up is really all this different commotion we hear in our lives. The things in which we're reading, the things in which we see, we hear, we interact with in our everyday lives. How do we deal with this? They're going to be there because we live in a corrupt and broken world that has been distorted by sin. So how do we, how do we process? How do we deal with this stuff in which we have? We can't just toss it out because we have to interact with it. It's in the lives of those around us. It's even in our life ourselves. We're here still sinners who are broken. So how do we deal with the stuff in which we have? So what God invites us to is he invites us to, for him to be the filter for our lives. That him, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit can be our filter in which we have our coffee beans. And as we process how to live in the world in which we are, the water is poured in. And rather what we see is we, we don't see the lies penetrating through, but rather what we're able to do is see the truth of how God calls us to love and interact with the world around us. Because God doesn't tell us to completely avoid the world. No, we are, we are here in this world. And so how do we go forward with it as we begin to see these things around us that we can't always explain? That there's going to be these moments where it feels like it's this TV show level plot twist we're like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. I don't know what to do now. And rather what God invites us into is into a loving relationship with him where he says, hey, place your comfort in me. He says, I have authority above all things. Let me prove that to you time and time again. And we see that in the story of Jesus. That is God who has conquered anything we will ever go through. That God has made a way for us to go, go forward, that we can cling to this good news this wonderful and incredible story that God loves us no matter what. No matter the past in which we have, no matter what's going to come down the road, God loves us. That's not going to change. And that we're adopted into his family. God has made a way for us to be connected with him. And he even tells us, your story matters. And so what does that look like for us? I mean, there's two things in which I'd encourage you at home today. The first of that is if you haven't joined our 
Generations Church Facebook group. I encourage you to go hop in there every week. We've been having someone uh, by the name of Peggy. She's been leading us in this series of how to get more connected with the core and understand what it looks like to live life with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit so that we can have that level of comfort where we can begin to see and hear the truths that we are loved, that we belong, that God has made a way for us and how we begin to understand God more fully helps us to begin to trust him more. So if you haven't done that, I encourage you to go and do that. But even out of this series, we, we made this comment of the stories we tell. And what I would love for those of you to do is for us to be able to go forward and be able to say, yes, I know God loves me. Yes, uh, my story matters. But for us to begin to be, to be able to share that with others, what that looks like is for you to go on there. I encourage you to go to our website. At the bottom of that, you're going to see a place where it says share your story. For you to really begin to live this out in your everyday life, I encourage you to go on there and share your story with us. Through the next year, what I, I think would be awesome is for us at Generations to be able to tell our story of how God is at work, how God has shown you comfort in the times that you needed it most, how God has redeemed your life from brokenness to joyfulness, how God is at work in your life so that we can begin to share that hope with others, for other people to begin to see that, yes, I, I see, like I hear this message of God. I know, I, I hear that he loves me. I hear that he wants to give me this hope, but I, I don't know what that looks like. And for you to begin to share your story of how God has done that in your life is able to be an example for others to see that as well. It's this tangible expression that we can go to others and say, as God loves me, he loves you. As God says, my story matters, your story matters. As God says that I belong, you belong too. There is no one too far gone to be redeemed, to be invited into the family to be able to, for us to extend God's family, what we got to be able to do is look around at the world around us in our everyday life where we live, work, and play and look at people as the way God looks at them, that they are loved, that Jesus came not just for me, not just for you watching at home, but those you encounter in your everyday life, that the story doesn't just have relevance to us, but no, it has relevance to the entire world around us, that Jesus came for all of us. And it's this wonderful and beautiful story that we get to tell this good news that people can have in a time and year in which maybe there hasn't been much good news to tell. This is the good news that we get to share. The most wonderful, beautiful, good news in which we could share with anyone is that God has the power over everything, that he can be my hope in this time of discomfort, of loss, of struggle, of I don't know where to go and what to do next. No, God has a plan because he loves you and he has invited you into the family. So come along and be able to go to people and invite them into that journey with you. And an easy expression of that is for you to go on there and share your story with us. Where we can just sit down and be able to share that with others of how God is at work in your life. Because the beautiful thing is when we begin to do that is that we see that God is at work in very different ways. And there's as we value other people's stories, that people come from different walks of life, different backgrounds and different experiences, we get to see the full picture of how God is at work, not just in our life, but in our community and in the world around us. So as we go forward, what I want to encourage you with is to find comfort in the truth of the good news, that you are loved, that you belong, and that your story matters.